So I'd like to um, just share some Dharma reflections at this time. I'm aware I've been talking quite a lot, so um, hopefully it's not too much for, for any of you. And, and to also say that if any point in the meditations is too much input, just feel free to, to, to feel that the, the sound of my voice is another sound and to just do your practice ignoring that. <coughs> and so I'd like to, to begin these reflections with um, a very short quote from, from, the, from, the, from the Buddha um, who apparently said, these are all things that were written down several hundred years after he passed away, so we're trusting the oral traditions. Apparently he said, these two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. I think this is really beautiful. I'll just say it again. These two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. So sometimes he would make kind of these little bit extreme statements to kind of get our attention. But they're often, you know, well, obviously I think this has some um, usefulness to it, otherwise I wouldn't start with it. What he's pointing to is, um, I think something we all often feel is both that there could be a lot more kindness in the world than there is. There could be a lot more kindness and that kindness could very much be much more the kind of first response to our lives, to situations. And also that there could certainly be more gratitude in the world. It could be more appreciation and gratitude in the world. And so I feel like his advice to us is to really um, treasure the, the moments when this is present in ourselves and the times when we meet it in the world around us, in others, as a way of really nourishing kindness and gratitude in the world, you know, in ourselves and in the world. So as, we, as we all know, you know, probably seen it with children and we also know it in ourselves, when something is appreciated, and we tend to do it more. You know, it's, it's really simple. So that really nourishes. And the Buddha was only interested in things that were actually applicable. You know, he, he actually never wasted time talking about things that weren't applicable in our lives. Not because they don't exist, but he just felt like that wasn't a good use of time. What was a good use of time was to, to spend time reflecting, cultivating, speaking about things that we can apply, things that we can practice, things that we can cultivate. And so by saying this, he's very much pointing to the fact that these are things we can cultivate in ourselves and in our world, gratitude and kindness. 
he's also putting them together here, which I think is also interesting. I mean, in some ways it's obvious, you know, acts of kindness and gratitude for acts of kindness, but he's also showing us that there's a, there's a connection between the two. And this is something I'd like to just explore a little bit more, the, the connection, how they, how they um, nourish each other, how they support each other in life. So when we feel gratitude to a person, you know, we, there's also gratitude that's not personal, which is really important also, but I'm not going to go into it so much today. You know, gratitude for, um, you know, the fact that the sun shines every day. You know, we, th- there's gratitude for very simple things. You know, gratitude that the food grows in the fields. You know, we can have that gratitude that we're breathing. Maybe you felt that just <laughs> mindfulness of breathing. It's like, oh, wow. You know, and no one's doing that for us. So there can be this impersonal gratitude, just gratitude for things actually being there. You know, gratitude for trees. I actually can go on for a long time about this, so I'll stop. We're more focusing today about, uh, with this personal gratitude, gratitude to somebody. And so when we reflect what gratitude is, you know, when we're grateful, it has a few aspects that are interesting and that make it heartfelt, make it real, make it genuine in us. The first is that we actually recognize that we've benefited from someone's actions. Yeah. We recognize that there's been a benefit. It's reminding me of... um, I'm staying with a friend and her four-year-old daughter. And uh, she's not always recognizing the benefit of someone, someone having cooked a meal for her. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> sure you all know this kind of thing. So it needs that recognition. That someone's done something for us and it's been of benefit. We need to recognize. We also, um, in order for there to be gratitude, we need to trust the motives of the other person. You know, they're not doing this in order to get something from me. They're not trying to manipulate. There's actually good motives there. There's a good intention there. And we also have a sense that, to some degree, the other person has made some kind of effort, you know, gone out of their way or exerted themselves to some degree. Yeah, so all these three are there when, when we feel gratitude to, towards another person. And so the first two, that recognition that we've actually benefited from another's actions and that we trust their motivation, those first two are interesting because in that way we can look at our own gratitude and that teaches us something about kindness, yeah, about what it means to be kind. And I'll say why. So kindness... needs to be rooted in that wish to be of benefit to another. You know, there needs to be that wish to be of benefit. It's not about me. Sometimes, and I think when we reflect on our lives, we all know these situations, there's, we get into situations or we were the recipient or we see it outside, situations where someone is helping someone 
without seeing that person, yeah, or that group. I mean, we see it a lot, actually, in our world. We see it a lot. I was recently met with a, with a doctor who told me that he just left his, his job as a cardiologist because he couldn't live anymore with a lack of compassion in that environment that he was working in. You know, so, you know, helping, <laughs> helping without actually, without compassion. That's, we see that. And so seeing the other person, you know, offering something, offering an act of kindness out of a, a wish to be of benefit, a wish to be helpful, which includes looking at the other with respect. Yeah looking at the other with respect and empathy rather than, you know, coming from some view of giver and receiver. If any of you have ever worked in the voluntary sectors, (laughs) development aid, so often it's like this. I know what you need. Yeah. So really interesting to reflect on it in that way. And I was remembering um, an example from my own experience um, of working for many years in a leprosy community in India. And amongst other things, we work with children there who don't have leprosy. They're um, visually impaired and hearing impaired. Many years ago, we were um, doing some activities in the school for the, for the hearing impaired children. And a group um, arrived um, and they walked through the class, classrooms and just and distributed um, gifts. You know, they, they walked through, they maybe spent half an hour and they gave the kids, you know, fun things. I can't remember, stickers and nice pencils and, and things that were, were really fun. But these children, they're really, really, really smart and sensitive. And after this group left, they, they turned to us and they managed to express with the sign language that we know, which, which was very little at that time, but they managed to express to us how that, was, that didn't meet them at all. You know, and they were saying, you know, you come here and you spend weeks with us and you play with us and you do things with us and that's what we want. You know, that's what we need. And these people, you know, which it happens quite a lot there, you know, these people, they just come through and they give us a suite they give us a a toy but they don't see us you know so it was it was a really amazing teaching you know from quite you know 12 14 year old children of that sense you know which when we reflect on our own experience we also know that very clearly when we're being seen and when we're not being seen when we're being respected or we're not being respected when the so-called giving or kindness is at, at eye level, at heart level, or at different levels, you know, where, where it's coming from. We can also learn the other way around. So these are two things that we can learn from gratitude about kindness. But we can also learn from kindness about gratitude. It's also Interesting. Often we see that being kind to others also opens us to receive kindness ourselves. 
we also know that sometimes it takes effort to be kind, you know, so we can see more clearly that commitment in the other person. You know, sometimes it takes some degree of effort. One teacher says, you know, sometimes we can see that the kind impulses argue with the more um, self-centered ones in in our minds. So it's not always easy or straightforward. Sometimes we're not sure of ourselves. You know, what's the right thing to do here? And we find ourselves kind of caught in, in hesitation and in confusion. Sometimes there's a level of sacrifice that's needed. And it's easier to do that when we trust the other person <laughs> to use what we're offering well. You know, it, it makes it easier. So again, just to give an example of this, I can't remember. I know I gave a talk on generosity last time I, 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 I taught in Sheffield, and I hope I didn't give this example. But if I did, you'll just have to hear, hear it again. So this was, I was teaching a retreat in the Himalayas in, um, in March, and it was unseasonably cold. So a lot of people came, and um, they, weren't, they didn't have enough clothes. Did I... Did I did I tell this story? No, great. They didn't have enough clothes. And this always happens. You know, people come and, and they don't bring enough, even though we say it can be really cold and we're outdoors and don't bring enough clothes. So people didn't, but it was, it was really cold. And I don't like being cold. So I always have a lot of clothes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I have thermals and I have spare thermals because, you know, it could be that we won't be able to wash our clothes and, I'll, you know, they'll get really stinky. So I have spares. So there I was in that situation. I'm teaching a retreat. I've got enough warm clothes, and there's you know, at least one other person there who I know is, is cold and the same size as me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, of course, offer her my spare clothes. You know, it's really obvious, isn't it? But, you know, the voices in the head, you know, what if, you know, what if it gets colder? What if, you know, my, my, the, my spare thermals are my really worn out, really good quality merino ones and they've got holes already? What if she doesn't treat them well? You know, there's all this like blah, blah. Eventually, you know, get over it. I got over it and I, you know, gave her my, my spare thermals and I think it was even this fleece that I, I didn't need. I had enough of this stuff. And um, the interesting thing was that every time I would see her <laughs> wearing this, I would be filled with joy. You know, it was just like, ah, oh, such a great, it was such a great teaching. But seeing that process, you know, that honesty to just see those unkind voices there arguing with the kind voices. And this is a, a bit of a silly example, even though it's very true. Sometimes there can be more tricky situations where, they have better arguments than, you know, my clothes will get a bit smelly, you know, better arguments than that to offer. So when we can trust that what we have to offer is needed and will be used well, it makes it easier to be kind. So sometimes 
again, we can, how do we use this as a practice? How do we use this as a practice? Sometimes when we, when we, we start actually being more aware of, of acts of kindness towards us. And also we can see it towards others. And if, if we're the recipient of an act of kindness, we can actually um, take it on really and see it as an act of trust also and an act of respect to us. So how do I use this that I've been given? Whatever it is, you know, it can be a smile. Yeah. But then how do I use that with respect? How do I um, honor that person's trust in me in a, in a way that really makes my, you know, makes good use of it? It can be a real question. And it can create a lot of motivation in us. Sometimes we can see the ripple effect in action also. You know, I was, when, I, when I arrived in Sheffield on Thursday, I took the bus. And at some point, um, quite a few people got on the bus, and there were two teenagers sitting across from me. And when a lot of people got on the bus, they were sitting in these seats that fold, fold back. They got up. Maybe it's a common thing in Sheffield, I don't know. They got up so there'd be more standing room, basically. You know, I've never seen something like that before. And it was like, wow. <laughs> you know, just, the, just that thoughtfulness. And often you see that and you see a ripple effect. You know, sometimes you see one person doing something like that and then others will, will do something similar. You know, they'll notice. It certainly made me kind of think, oh, can I, with all my big bags, make more space? You know, it just kind of wakes us up. The Buddha spoke about gratitude as this, I find this really interesting. He spoke about it as a quality that defines what it means to be civilized. It's a quality that defines what it means to be civilized. So being civilized means being able to to feel and express gratitude. And gratitude can deepen our practice, very, very, very strong um, power to it, to deepen our practice, and can help us in this process of training the mind that we've been kind of touching on today, together. In it, it has really important lessons about the nature of human action, the nature of human action. When we feel the benefit of someone else's kindness, that really brings home the fact that actions have results. Yeah, actions have results because I'm feeling the benefit of the fact that you know you're smiling at me. I'm feeling that benefit, so it really brings that home directly in our experience. Widening our perspective to include the motivation of the other person when they acted kindly towards us. When we widen to include their motivation, highlights the fact that the qualities of an action are rooted in intention. This is really, again, very core teaching of Dharma. 
yeah, the quality of an action <clears throat> is rooted in the intention behind it. And of course, this is something we can then apply ourselves, you know, both these things. We can apply ourselves. And that sense that the action was intentional, that an effort was, effort was made to act in a certain way and not in other ways, highlights the fact that our actions are not predetermined, that we have an element of choice. It's not predetermined. We, have, we are participating in the process that leads to our thoughts, our speech, our actions. And so choice has evolved. Others are choosing to, be, to show kindness to us. Others are helping us in the same way that we are choosing kindness, that we are choosing to help. And that's a real, it's, it's really, really um, very, again, very core teaching, very important core teaching of, of the Buddha. And actually when he taught on the element of the path called right action, the way we act in the world, you know, he spoke about these three. The actions give results. This is the short version. <laughs> actions give results. Intention is of extreme importance. And choice exists. It's not predetermined. Choice exists or, you know, sometimes the language of choice can be problematic. Involvement exists. We are involved in the process. Opening to and looking at gratitude and kindness also opens us again to another really important aspect of the teaching, which is the fact that we're not separate, that we don't exist separately from everything and everyone else. We're interdependent. And again, we can, if we reflect on our lives, we can see this. You know, if we just think about how we got here this morning, you know, even if we used my car or my bike, you know, or my feet, you know, question. They were made by something, somebody, as were the roads. You know, so we don't exist separately. So gratitude also um, really highlights other aspects, other qualities that are particularly helpful in meditation practice itself. We can start to see how the ways we perceive things affect how they impact us. So for example, if we take gratitude, if we um, perceive help as demeaning, you know, and if we're honest, a lot of us do to some degree, you know, I don't need help. You know. If I need help, it means something's wrong with me. Or if someone's offering me help, it means there's something wrong with me. So if that's our perception, you know, that receiving help means that we're not good enough, that's going to affect how we respond 
So feeling gratitude will mean being um, less or not good enough. And so that's not going to be a very pleasant feeling for us. If we perceive someone offering support or help as um, an embodiment of trust, so they trust us or they value us, then of course we're going to be able to receive it very, very differently. It, feels, it can feel empowering. That person sees something worthwhile in me, worthwhile enough to support it. So we can start seeing how the way we perceive things has an impact. Again, non-separateness, it doesn't exist on its own. It's not just the action, it's result, that person's motivation. And there's only one possible response in me. Much more complex than that. You know, past history plays into it. Past experiences play into it. Self-esteem plays into it. You know, similarly, another example, if, if, if the way we've evolved is to see life as a competition. <laughs> yeah, it's another way of saying it. If the way I've evolved is to see life as a competition, then again, it's difficult for me to trust the motives of others. You know, that they're genuinely wanting my well-being without having some kind of hidden agenda or trying to put me down in some way. But if we perceive that life is the result of cooperation, it's a joint venture of all beings, you know, it's a joint venture, it's a result of cooperation, if we perceive it that way, then the give and take of gratitude and kindness becomes just that. It's a give and take. It's a sharing. It's an understanding that we're all doing this together. You know? And sometimes I am in a position to support somebody else, and sometimes somebody else is in a position to support me or to help me or to offer something to me. So we can notice with gratitude, with kindness, with things that are very everyday, we can notice what is the underlying perception. And then we can start to see how does that affect the experience. And then we can start questioning. In my meditation practice, is that also something that is happening? And in what way? And what kind of perceptions of life, of practice, can I begin to strengthen in me, to nourish in me? that will be more supportive, that will be more beneficial, that will be more wholesome. And again, with that balance, you know, it's not about trying to fix and um, create the perfect me by, you know, crossing off the, the parts that are less helpful and building up the, the parts that are more. But we're nourishing what is wholesome <coughs> and we're learning how to let go or to give less um, space or less to feed less the parts that are not wholesome. You know, the examples I gave, the, maybe that sense of competition, we can just ask ourselves, is that really true? Is that really true? That it's all about competition. So this very much brings us back to the fact that this kind of exploration of kindness and gratitude requires mindfulness. Back to mindfulness. There's no escape <laughs> from it. 
it requires mindfulness. It requires the capacity to look at our experience and see what's actually arising. You know, because all the examples I've, I've given, I've kind of simplified, but they're actually quite complex. So mindfulness allows us to actually simplify, see the different layers, see the different components that are there. In Pali, the word for gratitude is katanu, and it literally means to have a sense of what was done. I, I, sometimes I love the simplicity of Pali. Like to have a sense of what was done. This was done. And just having a sense of it naturally engenders that sense of appreciation. You know, that was done. You know, that has happened. The sun rose this morning. You know, just having a sense of that. The sun rose this morning. You know, someone smiled at me. Someone got up this morning and drove the bus that brought me here. You know, that was done. Just having that sense. And one of the definitions of mindfulness, of the Pali word for mindfulness, is remembering and being able to call to mind even things that were done and said long ago. So there's a, a link there. Now, having a sense, gratitude, having a sense of what was done, being able to bring to mind things that were done, that have happened, even if that was long ago. And so this exploration of gratitude actually also strengthens that aspect of mindfulness, that specific aspect of mindfulness, of this being able to call to mind what has been done. So the final kind of thing I'd like to, to, to touch on with regard to gratitude and kindness is that they remind us, as that quote did at the beginning, that these are qualities, I hesitate to say rare. <laughs> They're not rare, but there's not enough of them <laughs> in our world. You know? They're not rare, but there isn't enough of them in the world. And that goodness that gratitude and kindness are a part of relies on all of us for its existence and its growth. You know, it relies on all of us for that. And it's really, you know, going back to that example on the bus, it's something we can really offer to each other indirectly and directly, small acts, large acts. And how much joy it also brings in us is really, really important to, to open to. Offering kindness, how much joy that can bring. And also that sense of gratitude, really opening to it when we feel, when we open to what we receive from others. I think a couple of years ago, or maybe it's a bit longer, there was this famous, there was this kind of cool thing to do in, in, um, in America, in the U.S., 
uh, which was pay it forward. I don't know if people heard about it, but there was one really famous one. It, got, it became a real kind of thing that people were doing. I think it's died down a bit, or at least they're not speaking about it. But in the drive-throughs at fast food restaurants, people would pay for the car behind them. And I think the longest one was 130, maybe, vehicles. It's unbelievable, you know, that no one kind of cut that chain and just was happy with a free meal, but people actually felt moved to offer that back, whereas they were paying more or less, you know. So, you know, in case people didn't hear, you know, in those drive-throughs, you, you place your order and then you pay later. It's two different things or something like that. So people were able to, to, to pay for the car behind them, yeah. So it's really, really long <coughs> queue of this. And that, that joy that it brings. And I'd also like to just give another example of this, the preciousness of gratitude and kindness and the possibility for us to really bring them into the field of awareness for, for others as well. Um, in sometimes challenging situations, but also in very simple ways. I'd just like to give an example from my experience, again, of this. And so this happened um, quite a few years ago um, in an olive grove in Palestine. And um, we, we have, I organize a, a retreat with my partner every year uh, called Being Peace. It's a poster out there. Uh, where we, we go to, to Palestine and we... Um, support Palestinian farmers who have difficulty accessing their land during the, the olive harvest by actually going out with them and harvesting, helping to harvest the olives. And so this was a few years ago, and um, we were harvesting with, um, was one of those delightful times with a, three generations of a family together. So, you know, the 80-year-old grandparents and the parents and the, and the children of varying ages all together in the olive groves. Um, and sometimes it's just very peaceful there. You forget the difficulty, you forget the challenges of the situation. And it's just very, very peaceful amongst the beautiful trees with beautiful scenery. And so there we were having a lovely day together. And we were very close to, um, to a Jewish settlement. We're actually really right on the fence. Um, you know, just a few rows of trees from, from the fence to the settlement. But, um, and, you, and the farmers typically need to have permission to, to harvest that, that close from the, from the military, and we knew that they had that permission for that day. So, we were, you know, everything was going along happily, as I've just said. And then suddenly out of the trees, um, three soldiers appeared on patrol. And even though we knew, you know, we're in the occupied territories, we know where we are, it's going to such a strange sight you know, three soldiers in full combat gear, um, you know, with helmets and camouflage and guns, of course, and everything, just walking through these beautiful, peaceful olive groves. And, you know, they walked up to the, to the farmer and um, said to him, you can't be here. Not allowed to be here. You need to leave. And... He tried to say to them, uh, you know, yeah, I am allowed to be here. Um, but they said, no, you're not. You need to leave. 
And so I, you know, part of the reason we're there, <laughs> I could step in and very um, non-confrontationally, I said hello. <laughs> and I said to them, you know, actually, can you please check? You know, one of them carried a... Um, Yeah, you know, like a communications device. So it was very easy. And I said, could you please call your, you know, your commanders because I happen to know that they're allowed to be here. So, you know, can you please call and check? And so the soldiers, you know, sat down and the family sat down and we were kind of in the middle and they made the call and they were waiting for the response to come back. And so we're all just there, just there, just there. And I could see the soldiers starting to look at the family. And at some point, one of them called over to, to the farmer who spoke um, perfect Hebrew, you know, said, you know, you can keep working for now. You know, you can keep working for now. And the farmer just shook his head and the family just carried on sitting there. And I turned to the soldiers and I said, look, you know, they're really distressed. <laughs> you know, they're really distressed. So they'd like to wait till, till they know. And they heard it, you know, they could hear it. And they just carried on. And I think one of them, you know, the one with the radio called again at that point. And eventually, the, you know, I had also called, and I, of course, had the answer before them. And I, I said to them, I absolutely confirmed, you know, that, that they can be here. Eventually, the, the call came through that this was right, you know, and they were allowed to be there. There was permission to be there. And the soldiers were actually really happy, really, really happy to give that news to the family. And then they walked away. And so for me, this really illustrates the importance of sometimes just taking time to be with something and to see it which is what we're doing in our practice. Because they were doing their job. You know, walking around those groves with this heavy, heavy, heavy stuff on their backs. For sure not enjoying it. And for them, the easiest thing was to see Palestinians, settlement, not allowed to be here, get out. Patterns, reactivity, the easy way, the conventional way we respond to things. But when something stopped them and they had to actually stay there, couldn't follow that, then they started seeing the other person or the other people there. They started seeing beyond just the superficial image. And 
the natural response in that case was actually kindness. Initially not respectful. <laughs> yeah? You can carry on. You know, carry on doing your work until we tell you you need to stop. Didn't, not in that tone, but not respectful, not seeing the distress. And then when that was pointed out, that also could be seen. And then an additional wish to, to do good, to get the right result, and a happiness in the end that that was the case. You know, which is, sounds, you know, speaking about it here, it just sounds almost as surreal as if three soldiers were just walking to this room in combat gear. You know, why is that a big deal? But it is. You know, for any Israeli, let alone an Israeli soldier, I'm speaking as an Israeli, by the way, just to make it clear. For any Israeli, let alone an Israeli soldier, to see a Palestinian as a human being to see their needs. That's a lot of conditioning that has to get out of the way. A lot of conditioning that has to get out of the way. But when we give it the time, you know, when we give it the space, then the kindness arises. That possibility arises. And it's something really worthwhile remembering about ourselves. Sometimes that's what we need. And about other people too. And sometimes that's what they need. And some of us are dealing with more layers of conditioning, harsher layers of conditioning than others. There's more of it. So whenever we can make opportunities for that, whenever we can bring kindness in, it's worthwhile. It's just a drop in the bucket, but it makes an effect. It causes ripples in the world. So we rely on each other. You know, this is the truth of things. We rely on each other for our well-being, physical, emotional. And this can be scary. It can be scary to open to. But it also bears incredible gifts. Incredible gifts. Opens us to what we receive and also opens us to what we can give, what we can offer. As simple as a smile, as simple as a safe space to breathe in, to be who we are. As simple as not needing to have all the answers. Incredible gifts. So I'd like to, to just close with, with this question, you know, how do we reflect, when we reflect on our lives, how do we honor the countless acts of generosity and kindness that we've received in our lives? Some intentional, others maybe not, but still acts of kindness and generosity. How do we honor them? The Buddha had, you know, a one-word response. He said, practice. <laughs> Sometimes he had easy answers, you know, practice. But what I'd really encourage each of us to, to do is to, to find our own response to that question. You know, how do I honor? 
the countless acts of generosity and kindness that I've received in my life? How do I honor the fact that I'm alive, actually? It's a question for each of us, and it will show itself that responses will be different at different times. But the questioning is important and of great value. So let's just have a a quiet moment together to bring this to a close. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.